welcome to another pulse-pounding episode of Cinelit. Today we are talking about the character that is known as the Dark Knight, the Caped Crusader, the world's greatest detective, the defender of Gotham, the Bat, and, to some, beloved. Dinner, dinner, we are talking Batman. And for a character that was introduced, firstly introduced in our comics in 1939, and then film in 1943, there's a lot to look at. So we have confined our gaze to the years of 1989 through to the late 90s, a very pivotal time for The Dark Knight, as he was established as a top-tier cinema box office draw. Today I'm joined by film historian Daryl Buxton. How are you, Daryl? I'm very good, thanks, Adam. Uh, looking forward to this as usual. That's one of your one of your best ever cinelit intros. Oh, thank you very way. much. <laughs> and, um, uh, as as for identity, I think I I just call the guy Bruce. Just Bruce, yeah, Brucey yeah. baby. Yeah, so we we talk we're talking Batman. Um, I'm of an age where Batman was one of the first major cinema films in my life. I, I remember going seeing vaguely going seeing Superman two when I was really young and crying at the bit where he gets pushed in where the kid gets falls into the waterfall, <laughs> you know, Niagara Falls. I remember crying at that, but I hadn't really experienced. A, a box office phenomenon like Batman was at that time, yeah. where you couldn't move for advertising for Batman. Yeah. Well, there hadn't really been a film like that. You know, people talk about Jaws and Star Wars kicking all this stuff off, but they they were they were actually slow burners mm. in their day. And Raiders of the Lost Ark was was the big one like that because it actually flopped in Britain. You know, or didn't didn't do all that well on it on its sort of initial couple of weekends. Took time to build. And Batman was one of the first examples of the real hard sell from Hollywood. You are going to go and see this movie and you will buy the T-shirt and the lunchbox, you mm. know. There was, and we there, all did. There wasn't as much of a, a gap between American release and the UK release, was there? For, for no, Batman and again, that, that was new. That yeah. was brand new because pe- people forget this. But, yeah, we, we often had six months or a year mm. even or sometimes even longer waiting for the big new American releases to come over to Britain. So, you know, if people say, oh, I saw Star Wars in 77. No, you didn't because it, it wasn't released here then, you know. Yeah. I, I saw it on its first day of release in, in the regions, which I think was February 78. So, yeah, Batman changed all that. Um, it changed a lot of things because the, the 12 certificate was introduced That's right, largely yeah, yeah. because of Warner Brothers pressure. Although, what wasn't there a film called Madame Suzatska that I think got the first... 12 certificate oh really um, the Shirley McLean film but I, th- I think they may have done that to, so not to make it obvious that they'd done it for Batman, for Batman you know, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and Steven Spielberg has had that sort of clout in in certification a time or two as well uh, with, with his films more in America I think than globally but yeah you do get these really powerful filmmakers or really powerful studios at times that can say yeah we're going to change the rules here you're going to dance to our tune you know and they did it with the censors in America they said right or or in in Britain rather you know um, they said right you're going to have a new certificate we want kids to come in and see this movie and but we know it's it's dark. We know it's potentially a fifteen. So yeah. uh, there were a lot of things changed, and as you say, the release date was was shifted. I think we, I don't think we got it exactly on the same weekend, but it was only about a couple of weeks later. I, I would have to check the dates on that, but I think it came out in America and then came out here very very soon after. For for people who sort of knew their their movies and knew that we had this long wait between uh, films, that that was. A, a novelty beyond belief, you know. Oh, we're seeing this 
at the same time as the Yanks. There are going to be no no spoilers or anything because even without social media and without internet and stuff you you were still trying to avoid newspaper stories and 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 meeting up with you know mates who'd read magazine articles yeah, and things yeah. you, there was always even in the old days there was always a way you were going to see or or hear spoilers mm. and uh, suddenly here was this film where it didn't matter all I remember is just being like everything in 1989 with yeah. Batman, 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 yeah. Batman. And of course, we're, we're coming. I mean, you, you're you're saying it was the first first sort of big blockbuster that you experienced as as a, a, a cinema punter. For for my generation and people older than me, we'd lived through a time where superheroes weren't being touched by the movies, even after the success of Superman. Yeah, you know, yeah. it was it was bizarre. And we we all desperately wanted or a certain a certain layer and level of fan that were into sort of science fiction, horror, fantasy. We all sort of looked at this and thought the the, the studios are missing out on 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 this source material here. Why isn't there a Batman movie? Why doesn't people why why aren't people making Spider Man films? They were the two big ones mm-hmm. for me in particular, but of, of course other people it is incredible other superheroes are available. It is know? incredible because like comics have gone through that sort of like cycle of like in the in the sixties, particularly in Marvel comics being read by students, yeah, yeah. being really a big hit on campuses across America. So you'd think you'd have your audience yeah. ready-made. You'd and, think and, a lot of that yeah, sort yeah. of like, you know, the, 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 the sort of like Scorsese's, Coppers, that group of people, yeah. you expected them to have had a, a desire to, 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 particularly Spider-Man. Spider-Man seemed to be the one that really got those characters, th- th- those people those at that age. Spider-Man mm. seems to be the one that was really a, a, a big one for those characters. Yeah, because, those because, uh, because I think of, of the age of the character was similar to the mm. age of the readers. And, and it was I, fresh and new. Yeah, and I think Spider-Man's world is actually the most realistic yeah. of all yeah. of the, the Marvel characters and, and more so. I think the DC world tended to be slightly more realistic than Marvel, but... Spider-Man, I think, nailed it and even beat yeah, DC yeah. at their own game. I think that's a character very much pitched in the real world, you know, yeah. and like with, with was, real world problems. Yeah, and like I say, it was yeah, fresh. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we were introducing like 62, 63 mm. Spider-Man, so yeah. like late 60s when yeah. the whole sort of like Summer of Love and all that kind of stuff was happening. Sure, sure. That, so it, I, 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 was fresh, born, I was born in 62, so I sort of grew up with Spider-Man, which is why mm. I always had a great love for the character. Now, I think what happened here with, with Batman in particular is that... The Adam West TV series, which is much loved and was much loved when it came out mm. um, and, and, and was getting constant reruns on US and UK TV. I, I, yeah. Although it was a 60s show, and I, I remember having a little Batman, uh, bat, little Batmobile with Batman and Robin figures in it and mm-hmm. uh, playing with it to sort of by the drains in our backyard, you know, when I was four. So I was right there, you know, but... The show was being repeated through the 70s and early 80s, and I'd always watch it, you know. Yeah. And, and, the, and the cartoon as well, the cartoon yes, of course, in, the, of course, in the 70s yeah, as yeah, well, which yeah. was a big hit. So. And, but, but I think that became the public face of Batman. Yeah, yeah. And I think that put off the desire from both studios and I think audiences to see a Batman film. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because I think, I think the fear was, are people going to think... There were two fears. I, I think it was... Are people going to think this is going to be like the Adam West TV show if we do a movie? Mm. And the second big fear was, might it be like yeah, the Adam yeah. West TV show? Well, that's that's the fascinating thing because like the the, the Batman comic 
from particularly in the early 70s, had gone against that and really sort of like tried to reestablish itself with Denny O'Neill and Neil Adams, yeah. really trying yeah. to say, okay, this is this this is not the Adam West Batman. Yeah, and I think we went through a wave of that again yeah. just before we did. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then yeah. that, that that cycle came again in in the mid 80s with Frank Miller's. Year yeah, we got the Dark Knight and yeah. the Arkham Asylum stuff coming. That's through. right. Yeah, yeah. 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 And we had yeah. all these things that were feeding into this new Batman. Yeah, but yeah. like you say, for most audiences, they're not reading. Grant Morrison's mm. Arkham Asylum. Yeah, they're not yeah. reading Frank Miller's Year One. They are. They are just purely all oh, the Dark Knight Returns. They are. They are. They, they just know Batman yeah. as that. And yeah. it's like and so that must have been yeah. a massively seismic impact when this Batman came on. It's Michael Keaton. Yeah. It's it's dark. Yeah. It's 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 a fifteen certificate. It's like you know it must yeah. have been crazy for yeah. yeah, and uh, you know it's it's not Austin Powers exactly. It's, yeah, yeah, it's not that. It's not that sixties. Um, sort of colourful cartoony mm. thing. Although we we will get onto that. I think it's one of that's one of the things that the new Batman film doesn't have the the, the luxury of mm. because the, the Nolan films that they're much closer. It's like DVD Blu-ray, yeah, it's, not it's, VHS DVD. Yeah, they're, you know. they're coming out saying, "Oh, this this film's dark and it's going to be a bit be a bit like a film noir and a bit like a horror movie." And we're all going, "Well, we know the last the last three were that as well." Yeah, <laughs> yeah so yeah, yeah. It's, it's a tricky one. Yeah. Whereas, and I, and I think that all starts from Tim Burton absolutely. in the yeah. Before we get into talking about that, Adam, you've just talked about Michael Keaton. You've just mentioned mm. Michael Keaton. And we need to also say the, the big, big thing here, and it happened with Daniel Craig and James Bond as well. Mm. I mean, as, as I say, 1989, there was no online stuff, no internet or anything, but there were still petitions and campaigns against Michael Keaton. Yeah. I think people had got it set in their minds somehow that they if if there was going to be a Batman movie, they wanted Clint Eastwood. Do you think that's because of the Dark Knight Returns? I think so. That, that character so. is obviously yeah, yeah. an older character, and it was obviously and he's, based he's on Eastwood. Clearly you know? based on yeah. Clint, yeah. And I, I think the fans start the the, the comic fans started yeah. that because there were murmurs starting about, oh, there's going to be they are reviving Batman for the cinema, you know, and and every the comic fans sort of said, oh yeah, they they must adapt. The Dark Knight comic, yeah, you know, yeah. and and um, and it's got to be Clint in the part. And then when Tim Burton was appointed to it, I don't think there was a reaction against that because nobody really knew much about who he was. Mm. Some of us had seen Pee Wee's Adventure and been amazed by it. It's fabulous, one of the great eighties films and yeah. great eighties discoveries, you know. Um, and I was overjoyed when he got Batman, and when he when he sort of pitched Batman to to to, to Warner's and said, "I want to do this." Did he next, do Beetlejuice you know? before? It was like yeah, that, Beetlejuice, was that was Beetlejuice in between. And then yeah, this, yeah. So, yeah. so we'd had those two great weird films, you know, and 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 then when he when he was he was he could then write his own ticket, and his own ticket was, "I want to make a Batman film," you know. And I immediately thought I'd seen Beetlejuice and I'd seen Pee Wee. And I thought, this this guy is going to offer something special. He's going to do something special. And then he cast Michael Keaton from Beetlejuice. And I thought, fantastic. And the rest of the world thought, <laughs> who do I complain to? Yeah. And this this seems exactly to be a like pattern of your Clayton. life, Daryl. This, 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 this seems to be a pattern where it's like you're thinking one way and the rest of the world's thinking Well, as, as you, we, we were talking earlier about my, my recent... Uh, um, Sort of opinions on on some of the releases over the past six months or so, from from I suppose June onwards, you know, and then even the new Batman, which I I Paul Paul Dano aside, who I really liked as Riddler, I I just did not 
connect with with mm. the Batman at all. And I and I like Robert Pattinson. You know, I I I I, I even like him in in his Twilight persona. You know, I've always had a thing for him, and always. I, I love that he sort of became David Cronenberg's muse for a while, and that he's sort of done what Daniel uh, Daniel Radcliffe and and uh, Elijah Wood did. You know, they've gone off seeking these sort of hard hitting roles. They've not played the Hollywood game, you know, and they've they've tried to ditch their their sort of teen audience. And I, I love all that, but he just he just wasn't a fit for this. You know, again, we we oh we're, we're we're doing emo Batman. We've we've seen it. We, you know, well, well let's yeah. let's go back yeah. to Michael Keaton. Uh, um, yeah. as somebody else who allegedly wasn't fitting the role. That was the point for yeah. me. Yeah, it was. I mean, I, I think for me, obviously I was, I don't know, 13, 14 when that film came out, hmm. 13 maybe. So I could see it in the cinema. It yeah, was, it was yeah. like significant. I could see it as a 12. So for me, even though I'd seen Adam West, this was Batman. And Michael Keaton, I don't think I'd seen Pee Wee. I don't mm. think I'd seen Beetlejuice at that time. So I was just being introduced to this, this an, an act. I think I'd seen Dream Team. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it, it was just Batman for me. It wasn't It wasn't the, the role, the so character. You, so you were going in just just accepting that, oh, this, this yeah. they've cast this actor as Batman. Do you, yeah. th- do you think they offset the backlash, or supposed backlash against Michael Keaton with casting Jack Nicholson? Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. But... Why not cast Jack Nicholson as Joker? You know he's fantastic. Well, apparently, the first, first, firstly, he offered it to John Lithgow, yeah, who yeah. turned it down. Uh, and um, I don't know who gets that now, but <laughs> <laughs> Jack Nicholson did a deal and uh, and and earned a bloody fortune off this film. Yeah, yeah. So well, um, he, he he sort of played them all on Brando card on it, didn't yeah, he? You did. know, it was uh, um, you know exactly like that. But then, unlike Brando. Just, oh. just stop, you know. Uh, Threw himself into yeah, the role. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Absolutely I think, I think it was, yeah, it was, yeah. Brando it didn't want to do it. Mm. Brando offered a, a an F off price, yeah, didn't yeah, they? And, yeah, he, and they took yeah. it and he went, okay, fine, I'll do yeah. it. Brand, Nicholson Brando, went, I want to do it. Yeah, and, you yeah. know. Um, Brando had done this with Superman already, though, you mm. know, he, he and, and, and absolutely phoned in his performance mm. and just took the money. And Nichol- Nicholson, okay, he was canny enough to do the deal and, and make the big bucks. But then Jack Nicholson's never not going to give a performance, is he? No, you know? but I mean, I think with Nicholson, I think he he took a lesser fee up front, didn't he? Mm, mm. I think that I think that's what it was. I think that's how he made the money. Yeah, he, he took a back end deal on it, and yeah, the, yeah. it paid off in this case because yeah. it was a massive well, I, hit. I, I think that was that was no gamble, was it? This this well, was always going to be a, a smash. And like like, yeah, like yeah. we said at the outset. It wasn't necessarily just the movie; it was the hard sell. You yeah, know, yeah, 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 yeah. It was everything that came around it, and I th- I think. Keaton's casting was a gamble, but I, I, I think Burton and Keaton came as a package. They were already yeah. De Niro and Scorsese yeah, after yeah. one film together, you know, yeah. and and, uh, and and it and it worked like that. It felt like the director and the star are sort of they're they're they're, they're tackling this together. They're going in into battle together on this. I think know? I think yeah, maybe yeah. it's like Tim Burton's taking on a budget that he's never done before. Mm. That level of budget yeah, and the yeah. comfort level of having your lead actor somebody who you know and you can direct and you know that will be on your side yeah, is a yeah. perfect thing. I think the rest of the casting yeah. fell into place after that. Although there was some, uh, you know, some back and forth. They originally cast Annette Benning as um, Vicky Vale, yeah. but she broke her leg back, yes, something yeah, like that, yeah. before in a horse riding accident. Yeah, yeah. And um, we got Kim Bassinger, who's yeah, a, yeah. She's an odd choice to yeah. replace well, a- Annette again, Benning. Yeah, indeed she was. And again, controversial because mm. 
and until LA Confidential, she was not taken seriously as an actor at all no. by anyone. I mean, I mean, she she made a string of films, and it was always, oh, why, why have they cast this model again? You know, yeah, why have yeah. they cast this supermodel? That did go on for a long time, it didn't did. it? Yeah, and, yeah, until LA Confidential, until, yeah, yeah. really. And yet, she gives a performance as Vicky Vale here. I, I think she fits the sort of twenties, thirties Art Deco look that, that mm-hmm. Burton and his designers provide better than anybody else in the film. I'm not saying she gives the best performance in the film, although she's good, but she absolutely fits into the world of the film. I think better than anybody. I, I think with her, she I think she works with multiple people in the film really well. Mm-hmm. I think she compa- she's she's great alongside Michael Keaton. Yeah. she's great alongside Robert Wall yeah, uh, yeah, as yeah. the uh, reporter yeah. character. Well, I want I want to, I want to talk about him. I'll, I'll talk about him in tandem with uh, uh, Kim Basinger, actually, mm. because. I, I, I think those two characters carry this film. I, th- I think Batman mm. and Joker are, are, are played as sort of background characters in a, in a way, you know, in yeah. a weird sort of way. They're not the focus of the film. I, th- I think the audience representatives here yeah. are, are, are the characters played by Wall and, and Bassinger, and they, they work really well, and they work really well together. And yeah, as I you agree. say, they both go off and sort of interact with, with Keaton and, and with other characters in the film. And I think that's a good, solid core for this film. Yeah, no, I agree. Underrepresented, I think, in, in critiques of this film. Yeah, yeah. They both give great performances too. Mm. And Bass- Passenger was never, ever going to get good reviews for this. It just wasn't going to happen. No, no. It's a shame because she is good in this. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, but let's, let's move on to the duo, though. We've got Michael Keaton as... as Batman, yeah, well, and Bruce I, Wayne. The, I, I think I think the great thing about his casting is that I, I I think he was cast as Bruce Wayne. Yes, yes. The point of the film is that this is a Batman who's not he's not a strong guy. You know, he's he's gone through this trauma, and he's now living in this city that is terrorized by these super criminals, and he feels that as a guy with the means to do something. He feels that he's got to do something about that, both for his sort of own inner rage and because it's it's the right thing to do for the community, yeah. you know. And the way this Batman character is pitched is that, okay, he's got billions and billions of dollars. He can actually pay to turn himself into a superhero. Yeah, yeah. And that's what the film's about. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he definitely he definitely inhabits his Bruce Wayne character with an oddball quirkiness. Yeah. Well, um, well, it's often talked about in in the whole Batman franchise, going way back to to the original comics, you know. But I think it's become more of a thing recently. And I think the pivotal point here is the Tim Burton movie again. And it, indeed, it's mentioned in the dialogue quite often. I think Vicky Vale mentions it a few times, and other characters do in the in the in the later sequels, the the, the, the Joel Schumacher ones that we're going to go on and talk yeah. about. <laughs> this big thing about duality, and this big thing about how um, Batman is really no different to the people that he's fighting, mm. and that's a message that is at the heart of this film as well. I think. There's a great bit where Nicholson, as the Joker, sort of tells everyone. He says, "Oh, wait, I'm I'm staging this massive party in Gotham City, and I'm going to throw twenty million dollars into the crowd." You know, is Batman doing that? Yeah. If, if no one else is doing that, I'm the good guy. You yeah, know? yeah. And the supposed good guy is sort of creeping around in a in a sort of scary looking cowl, hiding from everyone. Nobody knows who he is. Nobody knows his identity. And and. 
you know, you, you do get this thing, and, and, and it's something that has continued quite successfully across later Batman films, and even, even up to date, you know, you do get this thing about, who who am I rooting for here? You know, yeah. to to the point where in the Christopher Nolan films, when I was watching the the, the Tom Hardy as Bane in the Christopher Nolan film, I, I thought three quarters of the way through that, I thought, I don't like the billionaire. I like this guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and that's I don't always think you're that, supposed that, to think that. Well, no, I think that's always a problem with that character because he is a billionaire. Mm. It's, it's hard to identify with a billionaire, and I think some yeah because some he, Batman, he's, he's not got our interest at heart. Exactly, and some but some char- some writers um, tackle that by ignoring Bruce Wayne. Yeah, yeah, and I think that definitely happens in the subsequent Batman movies. It must, particularly in the, in the Christopher Nolan ones, I don't get the sense that Bruce Wayne's a real character no, in, the, no, in, in, in no. the Nolan films. He is a veneer for Batman. Yeah, and I think and it should be the other. It way should around. be the other way yeah. around, but yeah. or it should be the both. The same, uh, yeah, equal. equal. Yeah, yeah. And I think in this first Batman film, I'm, I'm, maybe the second one as well, they get Bruce Wayne right. He's yeah, actual real yeah. character. He's not. A, a, he's not a mask that Batman puts on. Yeah, to, yeah. to hide from the public or anything like that. He's a real character in his own right as well, yeah. doing good in his own sure, world. Sure, he, he is. He, although he's a billionaire, he's Burton portrays him and Keaton portrays him as a philanthropist. Exactly, you know, which yeah. isn't always done. No, and, 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 and that's the trick they do miss because yeah. that's that's the humanizing element of yeah. of making Batman the, the person you yeah, were rooting yeah. for. He he is what what Elon Musk wants to be and what Richard Branson wants to be and they never will, you know. Yeah, because they're psychopaths and Batman's not. (laughs) They are the supervillains, you know, yeah. But uh, one of the key things that they do with with Keaton is to line him up alongside cine-lit favourite Michael Goff. Yes, Michael Goff. The greatest Alfred that you'll ever see. I, I, oh, you know, you, 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 you can talk about Alan Napier, you can talk about Michael Caine, but you know, you're never going to tell me that Michael Goff isn't the greatest. No, he's the man. Absolutely, yeah, 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 yeah. absolutely, yeah. He, he, he inhabits everything, and particularly the dry wit. Yeah, yeah, um, and, and he's so good that he's he's the one person who carries on throughout this early Warner's franchise. You know, mm-hmm. uh, Batman's come and go, but Alfred, Michael Goff's Alfred, is yeah, always yeah. there. <laughs> the key to the film. So um, we, it was obviously it was a big hit. It was a ridiculously big hit. Yeah, and it went yeah. all around the world, and a sequel was inevitable. And then a couple of years later, we got Batman Returns in 1992. Now, this is a movie. Before before we move on to Batman Returns, Adam, I I promised I was going to ask you about this. We've not talked about the Prince music in in, in Batman. Sorry, did did, did Prince do the music for this? I didn't realise that, yeah. Yes, the the soundtrack, yeah. We're we're talking here, listeners may or may (laughs) not be aware, we're talking to Prince's number one UK fan. (laughs) Well, I'm not taking that crown, but yeah, yeah. You're the only person I know who buys all of these these new sort of 20-disc box sets. I am the biggest Prince fan in the yeah, room. Yeah. So, so <laughs> Prince's music for Batman has got a bit of a weird history. And where, where yeah. does it sit in Prince's career? Well, it's, it's kind of an interesting because they, they, they call it the <laughs> arrogantly so they call it the genius period of Prince's <laughs> reign, and they say it runs from from the from the start of his career, maybe like second third album, Dirty Mind, nineteen eighty, through to nineteen eighty nine's Batman. Mm. Or maybe Love Sexy did the album before it. Yeah. And and then after that, it starts to, they, they, they recognise that it starts to get a bit hit and miss. And I think at this point, Batman was on his life. I mean, Batman's like Prince's 
oh, ninth album? Yeah. Something like that, in, you in know? In a decade, yeah. Exactly, yeah. yeah he yeah. started in that late 70s and he released an album a year apart from one year when he did Purple Rain, mm. you know, where he, he took two years yeah. to, between 1999 and, and Purple Rain. So he's cranking out albums at such a quick pace. Yeah. And he's recording, uh, uh, I don't know of any other artist that recorded as much as Prince did. Yeah, yeah, and of course, at this point, he's he's done he's done um, soundtrack albums to other to his own films. Yeah, which have had this weird situation where the films have had terrible reviews and the soundtracks have been like album of the year. Oh yeah, you know? yeah. Parade <laughs> is a perfect example of that. Under the Cherry Moon was was a massive flop, but the music from that film. Uh, you know, he had, he had a number one single in America with Kiss. You know, it was like it was, it was a, a stellar album. Yeah, yeah. And people sort of didn't want to admit that. Oh, it's the soundtrack to to a movie. Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, it's there's this great Prince album, and there's all sort of this thing over there that we don't talk about. Yeah, you know? yeah. No, Parade definitely was. It was called Parade, for instance, rather yeah, than yeah, the soundtrack yeah, for, yeah. for the film. But we're getting to that point where he's recording so much that he's, he literally just even releasing an album a year. He's got way more songs than those albums. So he's giving songs to the Bangles. He's giving songs to Stevie Nicks. He's he's literally like he's offloading songs to the Time and to uh, Vanity Six and yeah, yeah, subsequently yeah. Apollonia Six. He's, he's literally having to create bands to offload his music to. Yes. So where, where, where Lennon and McCartney were writing songs for other people, Prince was going one step further and actually coming up with these fantasy groups. It's ridiculous. You know? yeah, he had yeah, a girl yeah, group, he had a yeah, funk band. Yeah, you know, yeah. it, was, it, was, it was just creating all these groups. And then it got to like the late late 90s. And, he, and, and after Sign of the Times, which was a big critical hit and a big commercial hit, but not as big as like Purple Rain mm. and things like that, he had a, a couple of misfires. Love Sexy came out and... Was on the back of the Black Album, which was supposed to be released, and was pulled like yeah. a week before because yeah. it was too dark, according to Prince. And they released Full of Sexy, so he was in need of a hit, really. Mm. And Batman, this came along. Came along. And time, Prince yeah. is a big Batman yeah. fan, so he dragged through the net of his archive of his music and pulled out a handful of songs that could fit and wrote some songs for the soundtrack. And the album, I don't know if this if it was the first album of its kind where it was music from and inspired by. Mm. And that became a thing going forward. Yeah, didn't that, it? I can't I can't think of that being done before. Again, I think Prince was something of an innovator there. Yeah, yeah. so there's yeah. some songs on there which they, they feel like they were songs from missing scenes from the movie. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that, that you yeah. don't you don't hear in the film, but yeah. it talks about Gotham yeah. City, it talks about you know, like like you, you get you get people even even today, you know, um, and Barry Adamson was a person who sort of started doing this, uh, the, the great uh, British mm. bass player. All was said, oh, I, I make albums that are like soundtracks for imaginary films. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And, and Prince, Prince was sort of half doing that. Even though the film was real, it was like, yeah, let's let's write a song for scenes that don't exist. Well, yeah, I, just, yeah, I think yeah. Prince's nature was just like Tim Burton said, you know, we, we're going to get Prince to do the album. And, and the original plan for the album was to have a double album, a, a double-sided album. Mm. So each side, one side was Joker, one side was Batman. Right. One side was was. There's that duality again. Prince, yeah, yeah. yeah, but that's it. Prince, Prince playing the Joker and singing the Joker songs. Wow. And Michael Jackson singing all the Batman songs. <laughs> But you know, but Batman, you know, Michael Jackson was like just released a bad in 1987 yeah, and was like yeah. in Russia touring or somewhere like that. You know I, what I mean? I want to, I want to go back in time and convince <laughs> and that, somebody yeah. to do that. Yeah, because that that should have happened. I mean, that was that was the core yeah, for the yeah. album. You imagine that coming out? It's like Michael Jackson and Prince. Wow, releasing a Batman album. Oh, you were just just like printing money, isn't it? Yeah, you know? yeah. 
Yeah, although what what we got was was no slouch. No, it wasn't exactly. It was a big it was a big hit, and I think Prince had a number two single in the UK with yeah, that with yeah. Bat Dance. Um, yeah, it was a. I, I, I like the album. I think. Yes, yeah, so I, I was going to say, as 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 a fan, are you you're you're happy with it? I yeah. like the album. Yeah. I think it's. Prince fans can see actually that's just been pulled out of the uh, of the archive, you know. Yeah, yeah. That one, Vicky's Waiting, was actually written as somebody somebody else for somebody else, and they've just changed the name and dropped in Gotham City into the lyrics, <laughs> and they're off we go, you know. So there's some of that, but they're all Prince songs, and they're all great, you know. They're not like there's no duffers on there. Yeah, yeah. Like you say, at, at the end of, of of that era where he could do no wrong. Exactly, so, yeah. and yeah. I think he was looking for a yeah. hit as well, and this was a hit, and this kind of postponed. Prince having to reevaluate himself. Yeah. Because I think he did Graffiti Bridge after that, and that yeah. was a big flop. And then he did Diamonds and Pearls, which was his biggest album for, mm. for decades and you know, for years. Yeah. yeah. So it, it, it was one of the impetuses that staved off Prince having to look in the mirror and going, What am I doing? Yeah. You know, yeah. And I, I, I rather wish he'd sort of wangled his way in, in, in front of the cameras, you know, and yeah. I, I can see him playing a Joker henchman or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Know, but... I mean, that Party Man sequence with uh, Jack Nicholson defacing all the museum artworks. If, if, you, if, you, if you've got Prince in there, in, yeah. in disguise, playing a guitar, a bit, a bit like the, the guy in Fury Road who, who's on the front of the, yeah, the truck yeah, playing yeah. the guitar. If he was in there as one of the henchmen with an instrument, I'd, I'd love that. He'd, that would that seems great anyway, but that would just set it off. It would, yeah, yeah. Right? I mean, Prince had his own little impact in the Batman movie, and that he was dating Kim Bassinger well, yeah, because of yeah, this. Yeah. So you know, I think he had his enough influence on that. Let's let's move on to um, Batman Returns. Sure, as much as I would sure. like to talk about Prince all day long, let's move on to That's Batman Returns. Podcast, yeah, yeah, that is yeah. another podcast. Yeah, we're on to Batman Returns. A remarkable movie in some ways. Some people talk about it as the best of the Tim Burton movies. I think yeah, Tim yeah. Burton prefers this movie. I, I, I think the first half of it is is the best stuff that Tim Burton has ever done, yeah. Bat- Batman or otherwise. Yeah. Is, the first hour is, is on fire. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think it does set a precedent in this movie of having double villains. Yeah, yeah. Which yeah. is not always a good precedent Although to set. That, that traces back to the 1966 TV it does, show's it movie does. version. That's right. Where some it days, was Batman versus all of the key villains. Yeah, some days you just can't get rid of a bomb, can you? Yeah, um, yeah. yeah absolutely. No, it's, um, it, it definitely has that we're going to team these people up. Yeah, which, which we're seeing in, in the brand new film. We are. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right I mean, now, but, so. We also saw in Batman Forever and Batman yeah, and Robin, which yeah, yeah. is less successful, possibly. But we get, I think, I think possibly because they're all on top of their game in this. I mean, Michelle Pfeiffer, I don't think Michelle Pfeiffer has had a better role. No, up, no. Up to that point, whether she had one after, I don't even know whether she had one after. I, this, this is the only film I've ever seen her in where she's acting. Yeah. She's she's having to stretch and give a performance mm. in what amounts to a comic book movie. Yeah. But it isn't a comic book movie. It's so much more than that. And I think when she signed up for this, I don't think she expected that she was going to have to do some of the things that she ended up doing yeah. and go to the places where that character goes. Yeah, no, she, she's great in it. Yeah. I mean, surprisingly Fantastic. so. I mean, I, I was a fan, but not like... Yeah. From, from I was a teenage boy at that point, so, you know, it wasn't like... I wasn't a fan because of her acting <laughs> talents at that point. But... She's incredible, really. Yeah, and it's yeah. remarkable I, that they I, didn't I, do the spin-off I think, movie. I think she steals the film. Yeah, which which is which is a, a, a tough job when you're up against Keaton on top form and uh, Christopher Walken and, uh, and Danny Shrek, DeVito. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. She comes into that as potentially someone who's going to be sort of knocked out and not going to be the person that you're talking about when you come out of the movie. You know, 
and she she just steals it. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, she's she's got this presence about her, both in the Selena Kyle role. Yeah, who's this very sort of dowdy character. She seems to be, you know... She's and, shell-shocked. Yeah, I think, yeah, that, I think that's, yeah, what, that's yeah. what I get. I always get a feel like she's like she's literally just been dragged through her head. She's like, yeah, what's, yeah, what's yeah. going on? You know? And sort of shuffles along through yeah. life and shuffles along through the film and is being knocked about from pillar to post and just... just sort of mentally abused by her, her peers, you know, and, and works for Walken and is very much a sort of subordinate, you know. She basically makes makes the coffee, you know. Mm-hmm. And and uh, and to transform out of that into what she becomes, not not just as Catwoman, yeah. but as a new version of Selina Kyle yeah, yeah, is yeah. extraordinary. She's almost playing three characters. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, and, I mean, and, the powers of PVC leather yeah, they just cannot yeah, be under, understated, yeah. yeah. But again, the great thing is, you, you, she, she's sort of the pound shop Bruce Wayne because she does what Bruce Wayne does. She makes all of her own costumes and all yeah. of her own weapons out of what's around in her flat. The difference being she's not a billionaire. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, but, but she's very much like Bruce Wayne in that she turns herself into a superhero. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, she, I guess I would steals it. Uh, we, we also get Penguin for the first time yeah, yeah. Um, since the 60s of, of uh, Burgess Meredith's character. Yeah, and the, the, great, the great thing they do with Danny DeVito is they allow him to, to, to reinvent Penguin, yeah. which, which has happened again in the new film. Yeah, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. Um, but but I, I think the new film rather takes its, its tip from Batman Returns, I think, you know, whereas... Danny DeVito is is and, and and Tim Burton, I'm sure, alongside him, are sort of saying, "Well, Burgess was great, and there are great things about that character, and we can sort of take a few of those ideas, but we, what we really want to do is rebuild Penguin, and and the way they do it is to turn him into something out of Charles Dickens. No, it's it's but he's, he's, he's grotesque. Yeah, yeah, you know, he yeah. is he is like a caricature. Yeah, yeah. Victorian drawing, you know what I mean? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. The excess. Well, the, the, the scenes in the film where, where he's sort of coerced to go into politics are extraordinary because he's, mm. he's, he's Donald Trump, basically. He's <laughs> trying to grope all of the women in the office. Yeah, yeah. And it's, you, 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 it's unwatchable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yet it's totally within what this character is. Um, but it, it, it's interesting that we, 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 he's not portrayed as, as being like that all the way through the movie. He, he reveals that when he gets into this position of power. Yeah, yeah. He's quite a likeable character before that because, of course, the, the very first thing we see on, on screen after the great sort of opening titles is the origin, the, the birth of, of, of Penguin. And we, we, the, the very first person we see on screen is Pee Wee Herman. Exactly, yeah. Which tells you, if you're a Tim Burton fan going into this, if you've seen Pee Wee's Big Adventure and you see Paul Rubens as the very first person in Batman Returns, you're sitting back in your seat in 1992, clapping your hands and going, I know what we're in for here. Yeah, yeah. This, this is going to be a step up from Batman. This is going to be Tim Burton making the Batman film that he really, really wants to make, and he's got all his mates in it. Yeah, you know? yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. I mean, obviously, they set the sort of they set a tone and said that that Spider-Man films kind of followed yeah. with their yeah. villains. You know, they're yeah. sort of like tragic, tragic villain sort of thing who's who's got a backstory that is equal to Batman's in this case. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, then, uh, as I say, what what I think the the villains, what happens to the villains here is we we get genuine 
not not character development because I think it's already there within the characters, but there are things revealed to us during the course of the film that are unexpected. Yeah, yeah, we get reasons for their yeah, behaviour. Yeah, 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 yeah. And as I say, the the key one for for Penguin being being this. He's abusive towards women, you know. He's 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 just got no respect for anyone, and and the the, the sort of females working in his office, least of all, you know. He just thinks he can sort of treat them how he likes. You know? yeah. And then then set against that, you've got Selena Kyle, who sort of emerged out of that world and turned herself into Catwoman, yeah, yeah, and turned herself into a new version of of, of what she is as well. The dichotomy there is is so so potent, you know. The other great thing about Batman Returns is you you're never quite sure which of the villains are going to sort of team up because they never quite form a trio. No, no. And you sort you sort of think that's going to happen, and Burton pulls that rug out from under you time and time again. Occasionally they team up. Sometimes Batman even teams up with one of them. You know? Yeah, yeah. He's having business meetings with Christopher Walken. You know. He's he's having an affair with 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 Selena, you know. So even even Bruce Wayne's teaming up with them. Well, it goes back and, inside duality, yeah, doesn't yeah, it? Of like, yeah. of like what yeah. you know what. And we as an audience just never know where we are. Mm. The film is never conventional in that sense. You go in thinking, "All oh, right, Batman's going to be taking on three villains here," you know. No, it doesn't happen. No. It doesn't happen like that. No, you have you have. I mean, Selena Kyle's character is a villain, but she's. Her her main villain is she wants she's after Christopher Walken's character getting him yeah getting payback yeah. on him so she's kind of like to the side in some ways I think this movie I think it's great it's beautifully beautiful I mean we, we haven't talked about the um, set design yet no for no. the first movie or the second movie but well well here here, 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 first. here we go on Batman Returns that sort of modern cliche we can say about that it's a Christmas film oh it is a Christmas film we <laughs> we talked about it briefly on the, on. Um, on our alternative Christmas movies, yeah, didn't we? Yeah. But I, I just think I just think Anton first design of these first two movies, creation of Gotham City as a a, a real world but also a fake world. Yeah, you know, yeah, it doesn't yeah. feel like a real world, but it's got those industrial yeah, yeah. elements to and, it. And and it goes across the decades because I mentioned Art Deco and yeah. I mentioned this very twenties thirties feel to it. And I think the, the the first Burton Batman has got elements of the Gothic to it. You know, yeah. it's, it's, it, it would sit right alongside those great classics from the 1920s, ranging from the Lon Chaney films, Hunchback of Notre Dame and, and Phantom of the Opera. But I'd throw Metropolis in there as well. It's definitely got, and, like, and, steel yeah, yeah, and, and yeah, industry yeah. as so part of So he sort of, of mixes design. all of that. I mean, Metropolis does that great thing in 1926. You've got this, this sort of Gothic horror element to, to the, the design of the city with ultra futurism mm-hmm. you know and anton first does the same thing here but he does it in his own style and he does it in a way that that really really fits into the tim burton world he does it in a way where you think this this city exists in the same universe that yeah, yeah. herman exists in that's right he could go there for a visit one day you know yeah, exactly. I mean, the first film was very much like that Metropolis blend. We get a different designer on the second one. We get Bo Welsh, who's worked with Burton before, and he does lean more into Burton's yes, yes, specific yes. interest, doesn't very it, with much, the gothicness and stuff like that. Yeah. It does look much more like a Tim Burton film that we know now what a yeah. Tim Burton film is. Batman Returns definitely feels that way. Mm, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. 
but it's it's a good fit for the broadness of the characters. I think yeah, no. these characters fit into that world in a, in a way that even even Nicholson's Joker might not have done. You know, I think mm. he's he's great in the grand sort of gothic cathedral settings, and he's, he's he really fits into that great climactic battle sequence, the big fight scene yeah. at the end. I think the world of Batman Returns would be too much for Joker. Ah, okay, that's interesting. And and I, but but I think it's just right for. I'm not even going to call him Penguin. I'm going to call him by the name that he's given here, Oswald Cobblepot. Yeah, yeah. He belongs in this world. Yeah, his very name sounds like a Dickens character. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 exactly. I, I really liked. It. I, I thought. I thought this. I thought the third act lets it down a little yes, bit. Yes, it does. It and does. I don't think it quite is as coherent as the first Batman mm. movie with its. The first Batman movie, you you with it all the way to the end. By the time the penguins come out with rockets on the back, you kind of think, oh, I'm not sure whether I, I'm not sure whether that fits. Yeah, yeah, really. This, this is this is sort of getting into. You can imagine Tim Burton watching the Adam West TV yeah. show and thinking, if only if only they got a budget. Yeah, you know, and, yeah. and, and that he he sort of transposes that onto Batman Returns in its latter stages. I wonder but, whether that was him or whether that was the studio because the studio obviously. Got a bit of flack over the first film being yeah, twelve yeah, and in yeah. America being a PG thirteen, and there was a lot of criticisms of it being too dark for kids. Yeah, yeah. And the second one comes along and arguably is darker than the first yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Tim Burton thinks it's not as dark. Mm. He thinks it's a much lighter movie. And I'm well, like, he, he well, was. that's Tim Burton. Yeah. You, you, you're totally desensitised, <laughs> mate. You've got no clue, have you? If you're suggesting that the studio had some influence, I, I think it's an influence that Burton would have gone right along with. Yeah. And also would have been thinking gleefully, oh, yeah, I, I can mess with them here. You know, I'll, I'll do what they're saying, but I'm going to do it in a Tim Burton yeah, way. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and it does, it's, it's great. But I think the, the the first hour of the film is so perfect that it's an impossible act to follow. You, sure. you can't keep that up. And, of course, in that first hour, all he's doing is introducing the characters. Mm. And yet it's magical. It's, yeah. it's just magnificent cinema. And I don't think he's ever done anything better. Yeah, no, possibly not, possibly not. I mean, I think it's just one of my faves and I will return to this movie again and again. I don't think we've had a better Catwoman no, before no, no. or after. Well, Michelle I want to. I, I, I want to just carry on talking about Michelle Pfeiffer in this film because what we get here with uh, with Selena Kyle is a character who's who's not far removed from the, the the sort of neurotic female characters that you were getting in the psychodramas and mm. horror films of the late sixties and, and through the nineteen seventies. Uh, we, we've mentioned before on the podcast the, the marvelous book by uh, Kia Larjanice, uh, House of Psychotic Women, which is all about that. Yeah. You know, she reviews all of those great films about the sort of neuroses of, of female characters, not just horror films, but films like Robert Altman's Three Women and Black mm. Whole Day in mm. the Park and things like that, and Images. But there, there was this whole strand of, of, of cinema in the 70s. I suppose it stems from films like Persona as well, the, the Bergman film. Bergman, yeah. And back to things like Whatever Happened to Baby Jane. See, and, uh, and, and Selena Kyle is right in that ballpark. Yeah, I must know. have been. Yeah, when yeah. I was watching it, I, I was obviously in my mid-teens at that point, and I was starting to watch a lot more film noirs and things like yeah, that. Yeah. And a lot of those sort of like psychological film noir dramas of that period where you have 
the secretary who goes a bit crazy yeah, and yeah. it feels like she's in, she's channeling those kind yeah, of yeah. that vibe Whereas as well. Whereas Vicky Vale, prior to that, she'd been the sort of wise-cracking girl reporter from She's channeling Tarchy Blaine, you yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. yeah, it is. Or, you know, Glenda Farrell in mm. Mystery of the Wax Museum or something, you know, mm. yeah, exactly. And she's doing that in a fun way. And, yeah. and what Michelle Pfeiffer's being acted, asked to do and does brilliantly is, yeah, to take that... that, that Mad woman of the 1940s, or or, or better still, the, the 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 woman who's being gaslit. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, it, definitely. It, it is, it is, you know, the sort of Joan Fontaine type character who is downtrodden, abused, and has got to fight back, you know, and has got to come out and win, and 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 is maybe not not capable of doing that. Is maybe too fragile to do that. Yeah. And as I say, you've then got this layer of. 1960s and 70s sort of neurotic female characters in 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 sort of horror and psychological drama and Catwoman and Selina in particular plays on all of that and yeah. but but arguably tops it I think it's one of the great performances of its kind yeah we get a lot of sort of like in this film more so than than the first film like the hints of the sort of like super powered or supernatural I guess mm. with, with penguins control of all birds and things like that yeah, but we also yeah, get yeah. Catwoman with the nine yeah. lives and she's being killed yeah. time and time again that's the great thing about back. the Joker I think in, in, in the first movie again he he in his own way is like Bruce Wayne and he's, 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 he's not he's not a super villain mm. in, in the sense that he's got any particular powers you know no. he's just buying and making and getting people to create all of the stuff you know to the point where he even gets that great line about in envy of Bruce Wayne where, where does he get these wonderful toys you know yeah. I, I want those can't I get somebody to make those for me there's this sense of madness in both characters where they both want to be Superman and they never will be mm. because they're not from another planet. You know, yeah, they're, yeah, they're, yeah. They're, they're from Gotham City. Um, before we move on to the next Batman instalment in the films, another key, 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 key ingredient of Batman's success in the 90s was launched in 1992 when, on the wake of Batman Returns, the Batman animated series launched oh, yes. on kids' TVs around the world. Arguably, the the thing that kept Batman alive throughout the late 90s when the film seemed to be very different <laughs> to what people were expecting from Batman movies. Yeah, yeah. These, the, I, I think the animated series, and then they did, they did the film version, Mask of the Phantasm, didn't they? They did and too, they, yeah. They yeah, did yeah. A, a, a Mr. Freeze film called Sub-Zero as well. Yeah, yeah. I think they, they, they sort of do their own thing, but they take a tip from, from the Tim Burton world. Well, you know. very rooted in that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But they, they do sort of develop that, I think, and, 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 and make their own thing out of it too. And as you say, it's very, very different to what came next with the Joel Schumacher. I'm not as versed in the animated series as you, Adam. So uh, I, I, I know I know the the first film, uh, Mask of the Phantasm, yeah. very well, and we'll we'll talk a little bit about that. But well, I, I've just I've just recently repurchased the Batman animated series on Blu-ray, yeah. and I've just completed a rewatch of all of them again. Yeah, yeah. So I'm very versed at the yeah. moment in it. Yeah. So com- compare them then to to what we've seen from from Tim Burton. Um, I mean, arguably, I mean, this is my favourite iteration of Batman on screen yeah you know, it, it is these animated shows that is easier you got 20 minutes to tell a story and you can do 
Batman saving the world, but you can do Batman stopping a small crime. You can do Batman saving an orphanage. You can do all yeah, the little yeah. stories that yeah. a lot of times don't get yeah. done in the big big screen. Or, or even even very introverted stuff, you know. Sort of yes, absolutely. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's, there's countless, yeah. countless like Batman struggling with his own psyche type <laughs> storylines, you know, and a lot of that duality. Yeah. And so, so you know, if you want to sit the kids down for a Saturday morning cartoon, you know, and watch yeah, this guy sort of. Uh, with with a tortured soul for twenty minutes, but it is, but yeah. it is remarkable when you get when you, when you watch these stories. They introduce, I mean, they're very much on. They introduce a lot of, of the, the key villains from yeah. Batman's are, are introduced for the first time on screen mm. here. I mean, obviously, we, we get things like Clayface, Man Bat, Rasha Ghoul. We get all these kind Mister Freeze, all introduced yeah. Yeah. on screen in this in this in these in these shows. I'm not sure if Mister Freeze was in the in the sixties ones or not. I'm not sure. I seem to remember the ice cream. I, yeah, there, I think yeah. there was a similar character. I'm not sure if they actually called him Mr. Right, Freeze okay. or not. Yeah, we, well, we, we could be wrong on that. But, but they, you know, they definitely introduced some of those characters. Mamba and Raja Ghul were introduced in the comics in the 70s, so they, they, this is the first time they've been on screen. But most significantly, we get Harley Quinn yeah, for yeah. the very first time, a standout character that is now a staple of, of big screen. Yeah, and, and has sort of developed beyond the, the Batman universe. Absolutely, you know, yeah. No, now, I, now getting her own her own starring films. You absolutely, know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, and arguably holding you know, holding those films together, you yeah, know, yeah. in some and, ways. And possibly more popular than Batman in, in 2022. You know? Possibly, yeah. yeah, well, yeah. well, we'll see how uh, this new Batman goes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, um, the, 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 the series ran for about seven or eight years on reruns mainly it had about three series and then it, it, it was recommissioned where they redesigned some of the characters yeah. to run yeah. alongside a Superman animated series that was going on at the same time so they had this whole little mini universe created on on the animation throughout yeah. the throughout the nineties, which ended up culminating in Batman Beyond, mm. which was Batman twenty years in the future and yeah. Bruce Wayne's an old crotchety old guy mentoring a new Batman. So you, you get all these ideas and these stories feeding through, and as a Batman fan at that period, a big Batman fan from Tim Burton films and then subsequently reading the comics. And I'm reading the comics and thinking, this is amazing. I remember I love the comics. I love Batman. And then we get Batman Forever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, there's a lot of apologising, I think, from <laughs> Batman fans with Batman Forever because it was kind of like, this is shit. Yeah. But yeah. it could be worse. It could be worse. And there was a lot of sort of like, yeah, but the next one will be fine. The next one will be good. There's bits to like in this movie, you know. Uh, and I, I think when Batman and Robin came out, Batman Forever's reputation took a took a rise, you know. I th- possibly, I think yeah. Was, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, when I, when I saw Batman and Robin, I felt like crying. Yeah. I'm in my late teens, early 20s, but I felt like crying when I came out of that movie because it was just... Oh, awful. Yeah. And but a lot of it's rooted in this first Batman Forever. You mm. know, they completely overhaul the franchise at this point. Tim yeah. Burton goes, he's on as a producer, but that's just yeah. that's just signpost. Yeah, yeah. Okay. We don't get Catwoman returning, despite the ending where at the end Batman returns, we get the idea that okay, maybe Catwoman's gonna be in the next one. We don't get that. Arguably because she was supposed to be in a spin-off movie. Yeah. yeah. Which Tim Burton was gonna direct. But we get Batman Forever. And we get a big success, but the success that's built on the first two films, the box office-wise, critically really battered and really terrible film, really. It's you've got a whole new director, you've got a new designer, you've got a new cinematographer, a new composer, new Batman, you yeah, know. Yeah. Uh, that, that's that's the, the key 
ingredients of the film have completely changed. Sure. And none of them seem to work. No, no. You know, the, the one sort of core thing we've got that, that does continue Michael actually, Goff, is Michael yeah. Goff, who, who, who just comes on and plays Alfred effortlessly yeah. as, as though nothing's changed. You yeah, know, and yeah, he's, yeah. he's an absolute rock in this film. It's interesting. I, I, I'm re-watching the film uh, in, in preparation for, for mm. our, our chat today. I, I noticed that when they introduced Val Kilmer in, in, in the movie... His very first appearance is shot in such a way to make to try and really, really make you think you're looking at Michael Keaton. Oh, really? I got that impression. Yeah. See, see what you think. You know, rewatch the film yeah. uh, if you're listening to this. He hasn't got the chin for it. I mean, no, I, no, he no. hasn't got the chin for Batman. I, I don't quite know why Val Kilmer was cast. No, possibly because Val Kilmer may well have sort of pitched for the role. I, I, I can imagine him sort of telling his agent, you know, I'm, I'm Batman in the next movie, make it happen, you know. Well, then why does he give such a lacklustre performance? Well, because, again, he's Val Kilmer. <laughs> <laughs> it is you know, very... He's, he's Val, tur- turn up, you know, if the shoot starts on Monday, I turn up on Friday, Val yeah, Kilmer, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. It, it definitely, it, it, it's not firing on all cylinders at all no, in this movie, no, I don't no. think. But it's a significant shift as well. Yeah, they they yeah. introduce colour yeah, to yeah. the, the palette. You know, Tim Burton's two films... Are not colour films. They're color black films, and white. They? Yeah, no, 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 we, no. we get some colour with a yeah. joker and things they're like that. colour. And again, that's way ahead of its time because everyone's doing that now. Oh, of course, Right yeah, yeah. up to the new Batman film. But every, every, every film you see in a certain vein in terms of action movies, dramas, thrillers everyone's going for that black and white sort of palette and uh, cinema audiences don't realise it's happening. They're, and, uh, they're in there thinking, oh, I'm... Because you know, they complain if you put an actual black and white film up in front yeah, of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, what, what we get here, I think right from the opening... The opening fight scene is very, very telling because it's Joel Schumacher making basically an Adam West yes. Batman fight scene. Yeah. It's, it's like, back to 1966. But it's, it is like he's come in... To this movie franchise and gone, Joel, Joel, I want you to do a, a, a Batman movie. And he's going, oh, fantastic, I will do a Batman movie. Yeah, Bruce Wayne, uh, uh, Adam West, yes, uh, it's like yeah. that, that kind of thing. It's like, <laughs> no, we've just had these two massive selling movies that have literally sold tickets all around yeah. the world. While, while being revolutionary. While being revolutionary. And changing while, what the exactly. Is. Yeah, and yeah, and yeah. you're yeah. suddenly jumping back to <laughs> Holy Rusty Metal Batman. You're jumping yeah, back yeah, to the yeah. originals. What's going on? There are there are positives to the film. Are I, there? I, I think in, in, are there? I, I think in 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 retrospect there are. You know, when when you certainly when you saw what came next. Yeah. I I'd like to sort of big up the the Batman Forever and say there are there are good things about it, and I I, I think um, I I like Jim Carrey in it. I think the biggest problem with this is that in and if you can contrast it to Batman Returns and the way that they handle the multiple villains in that. They've all got different agendas in the second film. Yeah, yeah. Right, and that's why I make that's why they never properly team up because yeah, they've all got yeah. different agendas, and and they are allowed to shine in their own little yeah, yeah. plots. And those differences and the overlap of those differences is is what the film's about. Exactly, you know, and it really makes it for a, for a, a, a good solid drama. That's right, and you also get contrasts. Yeah, you get yeah, penguin yeah. grotesque, yeah. nasty, horrible, fish eating, monkey guy, and you get sensual, uh, lithe Catwoman yeah, yeah. Who's, who's doing the, the very contrasting, you know. And, and Max Shrek as, yeah. as a sort of suave businessman. Exactly. You know, come, come gangster. And then yeah, you yeah. get in this one, you get Jim Carrey and Tommy Lee Jones trying to out-crazy each yeah, other. and they're cartoons. And they're playing the yeah, same yeah, character, yeah, practically. Yeah, yeah, 
you know, it just it just doesn't work for me at all. Yeah, yeah. I I like the individual performances, but as you say, I, I think I think where it falls down is is in the mixture. Yeah, I can watch Batman Forever and appreciate what Carey and what Tommy Lee Jones are doing, mm. looking at their individual acting performances in the mix of the film. Yeah, it it doesn't work. Yeah, I mean, I think I think all the characters are one note characters yeah, yeah. in this one. I mean, there's no depth to any of the characters. Yeah. Particularly, like, you know, like Nicole Kidman's character. She's supposed to be a frigging psychologist, and she's walking around acting like a horny teenager. Yeah. It's like everything's a frigging innuendo with her. Everything's about sex. It's like, it's like what? This is just Again, so I'm, I'm, one sure, note. I'm sure that comes from Schumacher and yeah. the script. Of course it does, yeah. You know, oh, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, she, yeah. She's only playing what she's been told to play. Well, of course, yeah, you yeah, can't blame yeah. her for that. But, yeah. like, well, you know, I can blame her because it's on screen. Yeah, yeah. I wonder what critics who had slated Kim Bassinger in the first movie, and they did, yeah. I wonder what they thought of this. Oh, you God. Know? I mean, like, you're talking about one-note performances, one-note yeah, yeah. characters. Then this is, you know, Vicky Vale looks like Citizen Kane. You yeah, know what I mean? yeah, and all, all those fans who said, we don't want Michael Keaton as Batman. You get I, think they, I think they changed their mind here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 One thing we do get from Jim Carrey is that we get a very, very blatant knocking the audience on the head for those who haven't realised it. I, I think there's a very strong sense of I'm like Batman, this whole duality thing again that we've talked about. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think his his performance is, is pitched at, at, at sort of making his character... On, on a par with Batman, we're supposed to be looking at them as as sort of two sides of the same coin sort of thing. And to to the point where, again, I, th- I think you strongly get this thing with him where you sort of quite like him and you think, I'm, I'm, I, I like this character and I'm sort of rooting mm. for what he's doing. There is this sense of him being a bit like Selina Kyle. He's a bit of a downtrodden figure who emerges out of the wreckage, you yeah. know, and sort of makes something of himself. And you do sort of admire that, I think. And then the, the things he's trying to do, you can sort of you can sort of take things out of that and say, yeah, I, I'm, I could follow this guy in a way that I can't follow Bruce Wayne, you know. Mm. But it's, it's done in such a broad way that, that it, it really is playing to the lowest common denominator. No, it's, yeah, I mean, yeah, we, get, yeah. we get Harvey Dent, we get Two-Face... Yeah. But we were introduced to Two Face straight away as Two Face. Yeah, get no yeah. sort of no like development. development. At all, no, we no. get all told in flashback, and uh, uh, he's already on ten when the movie starts. Yes, yeah, yeah. There's nowhere for him to which, go. Which this character should not be. No, you know, and Tim Burton would never have. Gone well, that's that's an interesting thing because going back to the going back to the cartoons because the idea that Harvey Dent was already damaged mm. prior to the acid going on his face and turning him into Two-Face is really developed in that cartoon. Yeah, yeah. That he had issues with that and he was always Two-Face. We just get the physical representation of that after the acid comes on. Yeah. That was developed in the cartoon, very much so. And then the film just throws that away. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah. He's, he's a kooky, crazy guy. <laughs> you know, he's just so... Yeah. so and and, and if, you're uh, cast, if you're casting someone as a kooky, crazy guy, Tommy Lee Jones... Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what's going on with, with the casting for that. I mean, yeah. I, I like Tommy Lee Jones. I'd, I'd, I might swap him and Kilmer, you know. Yeah, yeah, possibly. Yeah, he would play a definitely an ageing Batman sort of character. But it just felt like, why, why would you put those two characters together? Because Jim Carrey, even at that, at that point, he was the kookiest, crazy, he was Daffy Duck. Yeah, yeah. 
inhuman yeah, form. He, you know, he was like a, Tex, yeah. a Tex yeah. Avery yeah. cartoon yeah. sort of thing. And then you're putting him against T- Two-Face and you're casting that character as a crazy, psychotic, yeah. kind of kooky guy. Yeah. It just doesn't work. Yeah. And, there, and there, there are, there's so much potential in Two-Face to, to do... They, they could have done that character in, in the way that Tim Burton did Catwoman. Yeah. Do it as a much darker, sort of damaged character emerging. Oh, absolutely, yeah, Two Face yeah. is the and, perfect yeah, yeah. foil for Batman. Yeah, because he is—he is the physical representation of the duality that yeah, is Batman's yeah. you, life. You know? one, one thing you can see in Batman Forever is you can see a great Tim Burton movie in there. I, yeah. I think imagine Burton handling that—that that material. I, I, I think it would have been very different, even with the same cast. Yeah, yeah. I, I think he maybe with Michael Keaton as Batman. I, I think he'd have really made something out of that, you know. And, and yeah, a, a real, real lost opportunity. We've not even mentioned Robin yet. No, we haven't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, I mean, what, what can you say? I mean, it's like... Not a it's, lot, not a lot. It's um, not... You've, all, you've, already, you've already mentioned the holy rusted metal line, which is just desperate. It's... It, it's just awful, Daryl. Yeah, it's yeah. so awful. Yeah. But when Chris O'Donnell again, again, the casting. Chris O'Donnell is fine for most roles. Yeah. But playing a sort of like damaged kid who's just lost his parents in a horrific gangland slaying, he ain't got the chops to deal with. No to be way. fair, no well, thinking, to be fair to him, the script hasn't got the chops. The direction hasn't got the chops to handle that storyline, and that as a third storyline in this movie alongside the Riddler and the Two-Face storylines, not to mention the, the, the Nicole Kidman's Chase Madison character. Yeah. It, it just feels like, oh yeah, and then his parents die, I'll look after him, and then no, you can become Robin. It's like, it just feels like it just feels like if you're going to do Robin, do, do it yeah, properly. Yeah. Well, let's, let's talk a bit about, you know, the history of Robin on, on film and TV, mm. because he's very rarely used even he's often he's often ditched yeah. as a character and, and possibly for good reason i well, think, I think he's, he's he's almost like an embarrassment to to the the, the film series of, yeah. of, of you know whenever they put batman on film you know again i'm going to wax lyrical about the animated series but they handle robin brilliantly yeah, yeah. they they pitch him older mm. they do they, they they come in he's at college yeah yeah and he's he's being robin at college he's, he's at college so he's a, he's, a, he's practically an adult and you have much more of that kind of peer to Batman, kind of. He's, he's still a mentor and mentee, but yeah. there's much but more... But they're, they're a team. Yeah, yeah, he's not yeah, like a kid yeah. running around snot-nosed going, oh, I want to do this. <laughs> he's much more... There's much there's less of a father-son kind of relationship yeah. there, yeah. which works better, I think, in the animated series. And... Yeah, because yeah, that, that's always the problem, I think, because if, 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 if you've got that sort of uh, uh, paternal relationship going on, you don't need Alfred. You don't need Alfred, and also... And Batman without Alfred isn't Batman. No, but know? also, if you've got Bruce Wayne supposedly being a father to a character and he's going out every night as Batman, that's terrible parenting. Yeah, yeah, You yeah. know, you, you, you can, there's no and, way of getting and, around and, that. And the problem for a scriptwriter. Exactly, and it's problem and problem for an audience is to suspend yeah, yeah, your disbelief yeah, yeah. that if you're the father of a 13, 14-year-old kid and you're dragging him out fighting crime with, with, with prostitutes and, and heroin dealers and, and petty thieves and then master criminals and, yeah, and yeah. psychotics. You know, I, so I, I think that's, that's the amazing thing about the two Tim Burton films is that the, the world they're set in becomes a believable one yeah. for the audience to accept 
this unbelievable character in, you know, yeah, and, yeah. and we, we, we buy a lot of what he does because of the crazy background setting, you yeah. know, and it's the, the, the two go together. Batman belongs in this world, you know, but uh, yeah, the Schumacher thing, it, it is just Adam West's world and only Adam West belongs in it. Yeah. You know? And, it, and yeah, it's yeah. so one note as well. It's, it's, yeah. There's no, yeah. yeah, there's just, there's no depth to this movie at all. And the, and the color palette, they're trying, I don't know if they're trying to do both. They're trying to be a colourful, bright, poppy Batman. Because you can do an Adam West-style cartoon, uh, a film or cartoon or adaptation of Batman yeah. in the modern day. We've had a cartoon series called Batman Brave and the Bold, which did that very thing yeah. and managed to get that balance right. But either they haven't got the talent or the script or whatever to do that, yeah. or there wasn't that willingness to go too far away from what Tim Burton had established. So you get this weird, murky, murky film that's got bright and colourful, but also like dark and, and, and murky. And mm, yeah, they, they just don't know what to do, do they? No. You, I mean, we, we, we've seen in the Austin Powers franchise that, that you know, I mean, although that's fairly old now, but, but mm. relatively modern cinema audiences, certain audiences of, of this yeah. era would accept that that colourful 1960s... Well, the, the Shazam um, film yeah, from a yeah, few years exactly, ago yeah, is a good yeah, example yeah, of how to yeah. do that for modern audiences. Sure. It's, it's, it is wholesome and yeah, family-orientated, yeah. but it's still enjoyable and yeah, I mean, you yeah. can follow well, it. Well, arguably the, the, the best DC um, character it's, movie it's certainly been, up there, yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so we get. Let's, let's move on to Batman and Robin. Even though I think a lot of the Ooh, criticisms are going to be fairly similar, I think. Now, speaking as a Batman fan at this point uh, in 1997 when this movie came out, we've got Robin. We're getting Poison Ivy again, another character that I've been really established on the animated series, usually alongside Harley Quinn in a lot of stories. They they, they started to become a bit of a pair. Yeah. You get Mister Freeze, who again in the comics have been developed as a really interesting deep character who's trying to save his wife and has a, has like a, a, a he can't feel emotion and he's lost his soul to try and save his wife and you get this whole thing and you think who can we get to play this deep soulful character that will will, will touch a, bring a tear to the audience's eyes whilst also still wishing batman to defeat him arnold schwarzenegger <laughs> Again, I don't think Joel Schumacher's casting is on point in this thing at all. No. I mean, and again, we, 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 we switch Batman too. We, we, get, yeah. we get George Clooney. And as, we, as we've mentioned before on the podcast a few times, Clooney of this era wasn't the George Clooney as, as you know no. and love him today. He, he was in that Kim Basinger sort of position. Yeah. He'd come from a background, in his case, TV, that movie critics just did not accept. At this point, yeah. in the mid-90s. Well, he'd done from yeah. Dustled On, hadn't he, at this yeah, point? Yeah, yeah, He's got the chin for Batman. Yes, he has, he has. He's got the chin. Having, having said that, they then give him a mask, which is even more ill-fitting oh. than Michael Keaton's, you know? Yeah. And uh, it, it probably is Keaton's. Mm. So he doesn't look... He, although he's he's got the face for Batman, they don't make the most of it, you know? No. But um, they offset that by adding nipples to the Batsuit, though. So yeah, well, that's OK. Here, here's the thing. You've got nipples on the Batsuit... What's with all of Joel Schumacher's 
Butt cheeks in rubber shots in this film. In this film? Yeah. In all his films. <laughs> that's not. I don't think that's a new thing for Joel Schumacher. You know, Possibly not. Possibly I think, not. I think that, that's an obsession. But it's particularly notable oh, it here is because it's very right, much so. it's in your face, so to speak, right from the start, you know. Yeah, yeah it's... It, it, it is like a sort of signature thing in the first few minutes of the film and we get so many shots of people's arses in rubber, you know. And, uh, yeah, it, oh. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Awful. But awful. yeah, Clooney's coming into this. He's done from dusk till dawn, which which has made his reputation yeah. with a cult audience, I think. But he's still not being accepted no. by mainstream critics and possibly by the studios, you know. But he's a big enough name from TV for Warner Brothers to cast him here and chance him as as, as Batman. It's interesting that they, 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 they recast so quickly after yeah, Val yeah. Kilmer. Because I don't think it was necessarily... I mean, Val Kilmer, the argument is saying that he couldn't do it because of scheduling different mm. difficulties because of the same. But that's, that's studio bullshit yeah, in, yeah. in the sense of you, we with, didn't want to work yeah, with Val Kilmer yeah. again, so know, we were you, moving with on. With Kilmer, you, you just never know what's going on. Yeah. I, I I honestly don't don't know why he didn't do it, but I can't imagine why. Um, mm. You know, there, there would have been some problem or other. And uh, It feels yeah, like yeah. the studio just think, well, we've recast it once and it was yeah. a, and Batman Forever and it, took a lot of money and the audience has bought it and they bought it, it. Yeah. let's do that which, again which we, can, we didn't but. we didn't well that, I think that's one of the things that's one of the things that I, I I don't think there's an example of a studio taking a popular franchise and almost self-destructing it yeah yeah f- from what it, what it began as yeah in the same yeah. way you know other, other franchises peter out but in this one this felt like it wasn't petering out the demand for more Batman movie was that you could have carried on making Batman movies mm. for years, yeah. really, and, and, and they have. But I mean, in this particular world, this sequels to this, this these series, you could have gone on forever, really. The, the, the demand oh, yeah. was yeah. there, yeah. but they they seem to just like go boom, oh, let's sabotage, plunge yeah, and sabotage yeah, yeah, their yeah, own production. Yeah. Now, imagine being Michael Goff. Mm-hmm. And coming onto the set of Batman and Robin, or or indeed receiving your script of Batman and Robin, and he performs heroics in this film <laughs> just just by keeping it on an even keel, you know. Well, well not having a wry, um, uh, a sardonic uh, tone to his voice, I think, is is is, <laughs> is, is one of the things because you'd be yeah, you would be yeah, so yeah. Uh, tempted to just to throw in a little bit of uh, sarcasm into your into your voice. Yeah, yeah, and we we we've been mentioning uh, the Chris O'Donnell um, holy roasted metal line a couple of times. Oh yeah, Goff gets a, 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 a just as bad whatever the whatever the opposite of a zinger is. He he gets. He gets to say the line, I'll cancel the pizzas at one point yeah. in this film. And Michael Goff manages to turn that into, he makes it Shakespearean. <laughs> and he makes it what Alfred would say, you know. But, but my God, when he got the script and saw lines like that in it, you, you can imagine, can't you? It, I must admit, it turned, I mean, I remembered the name of the screenwriter. <laughs> That's how much I absolutely for all the wrong reasons fucking hated this yeah, movie so yeah. much. I remembered Akiva Goldsman's name yeah, for years yeah, afterwards, yeah, and even when he was yeah. getting nominated for Oscars, I'm like, yeah, you're getting nominated for Oscars, but you also wrote Batman and Robin, so yeah. you die, you die yeah. now. Yeah, <laughs> I've I've even written down on my notes my own improvement to a part of the script. There's a point where Robin they're being attacked by Mister Freezer's henchmen, and Robin shouts out, "It's the hockey team from hell." And I, 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 I thought, you've, Robin, you've, you've got to say, holy puck. Oh, God, yeah. You but, know, my, but mine, is, mine's not very good, but it's, it's better than what's in the script. But, Daryl, like, a five-year-old 
could improve this screenplay. Not denigrating your writing skills, though, no, but no, a five-year-old. I'm, I'm could, sure, yeah. I'm sure. I mean, the low point, I mean, Schwarzenegger just gets... It, his, his, entire, his entire role is... Freeze puns. Freeze puns, the worst of which, because it doesn't actually make any sense, either in context or out of it, is when towards the end of the film, he says, let's kick some ice. Yeah. What, what the hell does that mean? I, I don't know. He's going <laughs> kicking ice blocks. I don't know. Like Rocky training montage, you know, I, I, who knows? Yeah, yeah. Awful, awful, yeah, awful. Yeah, it, it just within the film or, or outside. I mean, as, as, a, as a take on let's kick ass, you know, it, 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 it's, it's ridiculous. Within what's happening in the scene, it doesn't even make any sense. <sighs> Yeah. And, and Schwarzenegger's there with his sort of gap tooth Terry Thomas grin, you know, which we we see quite often in massive mm-hmm. close up in the film. And as you say, it's all it's all wrong for what Mister Freeze, the character, has, well, has become in other platforms. Well, that's time, it. I mean, so. I mean, th- th- this movie's full of that, though. I mean, this yeah, movie yeah. is like you get. If you're a Batman fan in 1997, you've got all the animated series stuff, you've got Batman storylines running throughout the 90s, some of the biggest storylines in Batman comics history. Yeah. We have Batman having his back broken, yeah. right, yeah. and relinquishing the, bat, the mantle of the bat to somebody else, right? The guy who breaks his bat is Bane. Bane is a huge, huge introduction to Batman's rogues gallery in the 1990s, right? He comes in... A new new villain. A new villain comes in, systematically takes down Batman. Yeah. Breaks his back... I'm done with you, yeah, right? Whereas no, no, no one or Joker and everyone else, Riddler and everybody's been trying that for decades. Exactly. He 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 does it. He comes he in, nails him, yeah, does yeah, it, yeah. discards him, right? Yeah. How, how do we how do we bring Bane to the big screen in Batman and Robin? He's an experiment. <laughs> Done by Poison Ivy, and he's a lumbering oaf, glorified henchman. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god! You know, I, I was literally furious yeah. watching this movie. Yeah, there's one point where Poison Ivy has created, you know, all all these killer plants and things, and, and we 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 sort of focus on one of them. And this film's being made like like ten, eleven, twelve years after the Frank Oz remake of Little Shop of Horrors. Mm. And the effects here are, are not as good no. as as what was in Little Shop of Horrors in, in the mid-80s. There's so much wrong with this. What about Clooney? He, 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 he... I, of all the things, don't get me wrong, it's no Oscar-winning performance yeah. by him, but he fits Bruce Wayne. Yeah. yeah. I think he, he feels like... You, you could buy him as Bruce Wayne. Yeah, yeah. And, and this, this certainly did his career no harm. No, I don't think Un, so. Unlike everybody else, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think his talent shone through, yeah. you know, beyond yeah. that. He's, he's a very personable Bruce Wayne, I think. Yes, I, th- I, I think, think so. I think you're starting to see the sort of Cary Grant style of George Clooney yeah. in, in the way he plays Definitely, Bruce definitely, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I don't think he's much cop as Batman. No, no. He's no. Not, he doesn't feel like he's that action-orientated actor, gar- no, no. character. And Keaton's Batman was, was never like that, but he made a thing out of that. Yeah, you know, yeah. As we said earlier, you know, his Batman was a sort of vulnerable figure who had to sort of train and build himself up. Not not that we see him do that, but we buy the you get fact the sense, that he yeah, has yeah. done. You know? And also, there's, there's, yeah, with, yeah. with his with his uh, the action sequences as filmed, there was a uh, a restriction of movement yeah, in yeah. the way they obviously that was done to work around the back suit, mm. but. 
you just see it as like, I, I know I've learned karate, I've learned all these different things. I know I don't need to do anything until bang, this point. Yeah. And it's one yeah. punch down. Yeah. Or it's like block, block, punch down. You know, it, it's very much like economy of movement yeah. Yeah. with his character. We get that with Bruce, with, with George Clooney's Bruce Wayne, but uh, Batman, you, but you just don't buy it. You don't no, buy that. No. That's that's the reason why, you know. Oh, just yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's just awful. It's just awful, 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 Daryl. Yeah. Uh, Is there anything that you would do you, that you would say this movie does well? I I don't think so. Other other than what we've just mentioned about Clooney playing Bruce Wayne, I think, and and about Michael Goff who who retains his dignity, yeah, which, which is. A, mi- a miracle in the face of what he's he's, he's up against. That girl could have been worse. Yeah, but then yeah, again, yeah, they've yeah. got so many plot lines going on, and they've got like the the the, the, the freeze plot line. You've yeah. got poison ivy's plot line. The fact that they line. introduce Batgirl is, is is just one one more level too many, and yeah. it sort of it, it means. I mean, we we don't need Robin in there anyway, even though his his name's above the title, you know. But uh, bringing another another sort of person on on the side of Gooding sort of negates yeah. Robin you know, and, and just the title yeah, yeah. Batman and Robin that doesn't make any well it makes no sense it, it makes no it's sense it's not a film about <laughs> Batman and Robin absolutely no, no yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean yeah. Batman Forever could have been more about Batman and Robin they title. could have called that Batman yeah. and Robin yeah 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 and and God forbid that they would have called this Batman Forever. <laughs> it should have been Batman Implodes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Uma Thurman sort of struggles through the movie. She she does her best, but it, it's it's a pale imitation of, of what Michelle Pfeiffer did. Yeah. And they uglify her simply by giving her a big pair of specs yeah. and a knotted hanky on her head. That'll do it. And a straggly That'll wig, do it. You know? No yeah, one yeah, likes yeah. knotted hankies, Daryl. That's it. Everyone knows that. It's Hollywood shot. Shorthand. Yeah, yeah. And uh, in a big budget, big action movie, big superhero movie in the ni- in the late 1990s, must do better. I mean, the, the late 90s, there was a few of those big budget misfires. Yeah, yeah. But I don't think any of them has misfired as badly as this does. And as you say, it killed this particular arm of, of, of the franchise you know it, it the, i mean the, the the one thing we got as a, as a sort of legacy of this of course which we've talked about in the razzies podcast mm. was halle berry in the, in the catwoman movie yeah. <laughs> which, which they did their level even with that they did their level best to distance it from this you know yeah, yeah. this isn't anything to do with those shit Batman well they talk about catwoman being one know. of the worst movies of all time and all that kind of stuff but it's it, not as bad oh, as it, this. it really isn't it, it is really not, really no way, isn't no Batman way. Robin is is awful. Yeah, yeah. Let's end on a positive. Let's go back yes. to the animated Batman and let's talk about the Joker. Isn't the animated Joker the Joker, the the best? The, I, he's my favourite. I mean, there's, there's arguments to be made that most <laughs> most of the characters in the animated series are the definitive characters yeah, yeah. of those, you know, p- performances of those characters. Kevin Conroy's Batman is brilliant. Yes, in yeah. He has a tonal shift between what Bruce Wayne talks and how Batman talks. Sure. Which, and that's that's always difficult to do in the live action films yeah. because we're, we're, we're seeing the actor. We, yeah, we, you know, yeah, we're yeah. seeing George Clooney and we think if he does a different voice or, or, or a different inflection... We're, we're, we're just going to sort of laugh at that, you mm. know. Keith, even Keaton struggles with that when he's trying to do the, do the sort of broody, 
Well, low tones of the voice for I think, Batman. I think, the, I think how Kevin Conroy gets around it is he, he, he bases the character's voice low anyway. Yeah, yeah. And then brings a lightness to Bruce Wayne. Mm. But, but, but it's still deep and it's still yeah, yeah. gravelly and all that kind of stuff. But there's just much more like carefreeness about it, which you don't get on the Batman more stuff. But yeah, but Mark Hamill as the Joker. Yeah. Not only is this the best Joker ever, is it? Is it the best thing Mark Hamill's ever done? Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I love Mark Hamill, don't get me wrong, but yeah, yeah. He, he, and he, he yeah. he's, has he's, glee, yeah, yeah. glee in bringing this I mean, character don't, don't to get life. Us wrong. He's, he's, he's very good in uh, Dominic Burns' uh, Airborne. Of course, yeah, yes. We, we've uh, got yeah. to say that, yeah. but if Dom's listening, yeah, which we know he is. Yeah. But, uh, uh, but yeah, his, his Joker is, is just fantastic. Oh, yeah. I mean, and, and for him, and, and in within the career that Mark has had, you know, with, with Star Wars and everything, you know, but it's a remarkable thing because when, when, sorry, when Don was filming Airborne with Mark Hamill and he was saying to people, we've got, we've got Mark Hamill, there was a significant group of people who were, oh my God, you've got the guy who does the Joker's voice. Wow. Because, it, wow. because at that, that point in the 90s, me. before the prequels and come out and that kind yeah, of stuff, yeah. they grown Star up... Star Wars is old news. Yeah, yeah they'd yeah. grown up with, like, with the Joker yeah. as being Mark Hamill and not... Not necessarily Luke Skywalker yeah, is a that's thing. one one thing I always love to do on on Cine Lit, and we we did at the start of this podcast is is pitch the films we're talking about in in context, mm. and that's that's a great example of it. Where even even Star Wars wasn't a thing at one point in cinema history. Yeah, no, you know, absolutely. Yeah. It was forgotten. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, it, yeah. It, it definitely dipping yeah. down, wasn't it? And yeah, and, um, yeah. I mean, Hamill is is just sensational oh he has so it's, much it's, fun yeah he yeah, has yeah. so much fun playing that character and he gets given some great scripts yeah. the, the one of the early cartoons that joker introduced it's just a brilliant concept i think it's a paul dini dini script and it's basically joker's driving some guys driving down the street going about his daily business right some car pulls out in front of him, cuts him off sort of thing, and he beeps his horn at him, right? And the car slows down, stops, and it's the Joker yeah, yeah. who takes the guy's name and goes, you owe me a favour, <laughs> right? You know? <laughs> and then literally this guy's living, gets, just goes into witness protection, like, yeah, yeah. and the, the Joker finds him, I need a favour from you. Like a, it's just, what a great concept. And, and, and Hamill just... He's just got a perfect pitch between over the top hamming it up, but also like that, that sort of like nastiness as well. Yeah, like he yeah. can go nasty. Yeah. And then pairing him up with Harley Quinn. Oh, just, yeah, yeah. he just became a great thing. Yeah. Final question on Hamill. Um, yeah. Could, could, he have, could he have played a good live action Joker? Well, he kind of did it, didn't he? In uh, the Flash TV series. I don't know if you ever, ever saw no, that. I've not seen that. There's no, a, there no. was a TV series of the Flash prior to the one that's currently airing yeah. in, uh, in the early 90s. Uh, I think it ran for one series. Uh, and he played a character called the Trickster. Right. One of the Flash's uh, rogues gallery, which was like a jester kind of character. Yeah, it yeah. wasn't so that we, we far away. From. And yeah, you yeah. do see elements of the Joker in that. It's not quite as nasty. It's much more playful and and ridiculous but um i don't know i mean i mean voice voice acting is very different to screen acting you know yeah, yeah. but I, I think the great thing about the joker and the thing the thing that has uh, worked its way through tv and cinema with that character over the years is he doesn't necessarily have to have a certain sort of physicality no He's, he's a bit like what I think Tim Burton and Danny DeVito did with Penguin. You know, they sort of reinvented the physicality of that character. Yeah. And uh, that's happened again in, in, in the latest film, The Batman. But Joker, if you look at the actors that have played him and the way he's been portrayed in, in media over, over the decades, I, I, think, I think Mark, I'd, I'd love to have seen him 
work with Tim Burton, you know, mm. and and, mm. and I think a Mark Hamill Joker could have really livened up the Joel Schumacher films as well. Although, yeah. what 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 a what a waste, you know that that, that would have been a waste. Yeah, that, uh, yeah, you, did... you couldn't put that kind of potential in 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 that box, could you? you no, no. Yeah, I mean, yeah. what I mean, oh, that's one of the other things that potentially we got Batman and Robin to thank. No, that's too far. That's too far. <laughs> but because it was so awful, because it was so badly received, a massive box office. I think the the, the rebooting of Batman came a lot quicker than it would have done. Yes, yeah. Had the film petered out, mm. and because it was so bad, and everyone recognised it as a misfire and a, and a bad studio management of the franchise. That when they came to reboot it in two thousand and five. Eight years later. Yeah, with the Batman Begins. With yeah. Batman Begins, yeah. you could suddenly present a very different Batman again. Yeah, yeah. From what we last saw. Yeah. And it goes not only back to the Tim Burton films, but it goes beyond that, out the other side, you know, yeah. to... I think Christopher Nolan's films are, are set in the real world. They're set in our yeah. world. I mean, yeah, in, in yeah. some ways, they're very similar, not very similar at all, but in a similar in tone to the serials from the yeah. 1940s. Yes. You know, yeah. you've got yeah. like Batman as a crime very fighter yeah. Yeah. Um, rather than a superhero. Yeah. And, and, and the supervillains are, are doing things that, that an ordinary person could do. Yeah, they're robbing banks, that kind Which of we, stuff, we, yeah. We've sort of seen a little bit of in, in the Tim Burton films, but... The, the villains here aren't, aren't as heightened as Jack Nicholson's Joker or as Danny DeVito's Penguin, you no. know. Um, they're, they're not out to make a splash, you know. They're just out to, to, to put their scary mask on and then go out and commit crime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, yeah, so there we go. That's one thing we can thank Batman and Robin for. The <laughs> only thing we can thank Batman and Robin for. Thank you very much, Daryl. Um, it was fun exploring uh, those '90s Batman movies yeah, again. And um, Prince, and Prince. Obviously, I never have an, a new excuse to talk about Prince, but there we go. Thank you very much for listening. Please do follow us on Facebook and do email us uh, if you want uh, any subject matter that you think we can we can shed some light on or, or, or want to hear us talking about. Email us at podcast at derbyquad.co.uk. Thank you very much. Until next time, take care. Same, same bad, bad time, time same, same bad, bad channel. channel.